building that epic connection needs to happen once again with us, with our children, them with us. And then when they get older, same thing. What are they going to reciprocate? What are they going to emulate is what they learned growing up. And I love that. They're going to be doing the same thing with their own kids and with their own wives and all other people in their life, like you're saying. It's a powerful thing to learn to communicate and genuinely care about the people in your life. I'm Clint Hoops, and this is the Unrivaled Man Podcast. The Unrivaled Man is where we help businessmen like you be the unrivaled leader in their work and home. We're revealing the perspective you've been missing to upgrade your identity and become better husbands, fathers, family men, and business owners. Let's get started. Welcome to the Unrivaled Man Podcast. So excited to have you here once again today. Very excited also to have my guest for today, Larry Hagner. Over the last six years, Larry has interviewed over 700 experts on his Dad's Edge podcast. It's all about parenting, mindset, patience, communication, intimacy, optimizing health, and the power of community. He is the proud father of four energetic boys, the husband of his soulmate, Jessica, for over the past 18 years. And Larry is just one amazing man, husband, and father. So excited to have you on the show, Larry. What's going on, Clint? Good to be here, my man. Thank you. I've listened to your show over the years and just got a lot of wonderful insights from the people you've interviewed and from your own story. And really, as we get started today, I would love for people to hear your unique story. Yeah. So thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, my story is, I guess it's a little different when, I, when I've told it. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, that's definitely not the norm. I grew up, my mom and biological father were married for, I think, four years. Uh, they got married like, like when they were kids. They had me in 1975. And then after a four-year marriage and had being parents for just under a year, they decided to split and get divorced. And from what I understand, I don't know much about it, but I understand that the divorce was pretty bitter. A lot of drama, a lot of craziness as far as like just, you know, they were just kids. They weren't ready to be married. And it was a really bitter ending. So my dad, um, I don't know all the details, but he was really just not a part of my life at all. I think he tried to be, but uh, the relationship dynamics at the time, it was difficult. And there, my mom also had moved from California to St. Louis. So I just don't, I have no recollection of my dad. And I remember from being as little as I can remember to four years old that it was just me and my mom. I knew what a dad was because I saw dads come and pick up their kids at preschool, the one preschool that I attended. And so I knew what a dad was and and we didn't have one, but I, it didn't bother me. Like, I mean, I, there was no pity party or anything like that. Just my interpretation of dads at the time was moms go out and find dads. Like kids miraculously appeared out of nowhere and moms then go out and find a dad. And my mom hadn't found my dad yet, which was fine. And I'll never forget the first time she brought a guy home. This guy walked through the door she said that she wanted to introduce me to a friend of hers that she had been kind of dating. And I guess it was that time that she wanted to introduce him to me. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, that, that was my first like click. I was like, man, I, I wonder if she found my dad. Like, I wonder if this guy is the guy, right? And this guy came walking in my house. I'll, I'll never forget this because it was like the first time a real male figure came walking in my house. 
And he was wearing a three-piece suit, a trench coat. He had a briefcase. It's 1979. He had like a handlebar mustache, you know, and he he was a white-collar data software en- engineer. So he came walking in the house and he shook my hand. And literally the very first question I asked this guy is, are you going to be my dad? Like, I just be, I just beamed. Yeah. Like, I shook his hand and that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. And he just, I just remember it being very awkward and my mom laughed, I laughed, he laughed. And But I think my mom kind of took that as a sign and she did end up marrying him. I think it was like six or nine months later. I think she really kind of took that as a sign. Like he's already accepted it. He's all like this guy, like, you know, it's kind of like a Jerry Maguire moment, right? Where the kid like hugs Jerry Maguire and all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, like, look at that. They stayed married for six years. And what I can tell you is that he was very polite, well-mannered guy. He was ex-military. Like if anyone ever asked you about him, like they would be like, oh my gosh, that's like one of the nicest guys in the world. Like his manners and and how he treats people was just off, off the chart, like with, with just kindness. And he was like that until he drank and he did drink quite a bit. And on the times he did drink and my mom drank, they got pretty fights, got really, really intense. You know, if there was physical abuse, there was emotional, mental abuse, there was all kinds of things. Like, I mean, I, I could tell you stories, but I I won't, but like, it wasn't uncommon for my mom and him to be in shouting matches or hitting matches, or there were times where I woke up in the middle of the night and I would find my mom like pinned down on her bed so they would stop fighting cops were called to my house a few times by our neighbors and you know it was pretty chaotic growing up like that every year they were married it just got worse and worse and worse and i remember being 10 and they'd finally like split up it was a really dark year for my dad he adopted me so i i just viewed him as my dad he lost his job he lived downstairs in our basement and slept on like the cold towel floor with on our patio furniture cushions. And there were times that I would go downstairs in the middle of the day. I'd go down there two, three, four times a day and just put my hands on him and check on him, make sure he was still alive. Cause I was worried he was, he was going to die down there. Like I remember that was my thinking and they ended up splitting up, getting divorced. He moved out and I really never saw him since, since I was 10 So I really started to get kind of curious about like, well, where did I come from? I don't understand this. And my mom told me at that point, well, I was married before him and you know, you actually have a a real father. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She showed me like the wedding album. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the first time I actually saw my dad in photos. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I kind of look like him a little bit. And so I got, I became really curious about him. Well, a couple of years passed by, I'm 12 years old and I go up to our local rec center to play basketball with a friend of mine where I actually ran into my father. Well, I I ran into his wife, actually, which is kind of a really interesting story. I I usually just say father just to cut the time out of it. But um, I ran into his wife, and I didn't even know that was his wife until I heard one of the employees at the rec center say her name. And I knew what my dad's full name was, and he said her first and last name. And I was like, wow, that's kind of odd. I was like, what are the chances? So I just walk up to this lady being a bold 12-year-old, and I'm like, hey, I was like, what's your name? And she told me, and I was like, are you married to a guy named Larry? Cause that's my name too. And she's like, yeah, I am. And I was like, huh? I was like, this sounds kind of weird. I was like, but I think your husband might be my dad. And you just saw it click for her right away. She looked at me and she goes, are you Larry? Cause she had obviously heard about me. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And she goes, would you like to talk to your dad? And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to. So we went around the corner. She put a quarter in the payphone. She's like, hey, I'm up here at the rec center. I ran into your 12-year-old son. He'd like to talk to you. She just handed the phone right over. 
And I talked to him and it was very surreal. I don't remember what we said. I just remember the, the tone in his voice was like shock. Just like, oh my gosh, like he didn't know what to say and neither did I. But we decided after that, like, she's like, hey, you know, would, would you like to meet him? Like I'm face to face. I'm like, yeah, I would. I went home, told my mom she wasn't happy about it, but she let me meet him. So he was remarried at the time to this woman. He had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we had like this relationship for about six months. I was so excited. I was calling him dad, you know, like right out of the gate, like spending time with your biological father. You come my little league games, all this stuff. And I would spend the night at their house. They only lived three miles from where we live. So it was kind of cool. So it was probably right around month five. The last month that we started hanging out, I noticed there was a lot of stress and heaviness with my dad, but I couldn't pinpoint it. I mean, you're 12 years old. You feel it, but you don't know how to talk about it, right? The best way I can describe it is think of a woman that you've dated in the past and she's not into you anymore, but she hasn't told you yet, but you know it's coming. That's about the feeling it was. And I remember picking up the phone one day and I called him and I was like, Hey man, like I haven't heard from you in a while. Like I just kind of get this feeling something's not right. Is everything okay? Well, that turned into a conversation where we then ended the relationship. And I don't even remember why, to be honest. I just remember, I think that there was a lot of strain, a lot of tension, a lot of stress that he was experiencing trying to balance both things going on. And you know, all that. I think it was a lot for him. So we ended things and it did not sit well with me and ended up gaining a lot of weight. My mom ended up dating a bunch of different dudes. She got married again. She got married total three times by the time I was 18. And she dated just these complete and total crazy men. They were the same typical guy that she was always with. They were partiers. They were drinkers. They, they were abusive. They had anger issues. So that was my world. That's kind of how I experienced fatherhood was half of it was spent without a father figure. And the other half was spent with these dudes who were just kind of going in and out of this revolving door. And then, so I fell into like this really deep depression. I failed the eighth grade, had to do eighth grade twice, ended up getting into a, a really good, actually high school the second go around, went away to college, graduated college, started my career. Well, fast forward, uh, till I'm 30. And this is where the story kind of like ends and begins. Just definitely a big chapter, right? So I'm in a Starbucks here in St. Louis. I'm there for a business meeting. At the time, I was in medical device sales, and I had a Monday morning business team meeting every every Monday morning at the Starbucks. And I'm sitting there with my team, and I look over, and who came walking in for his morning coffee with my father. And my, my, my dad's a very successful business owner, entrepreneur in the electrical business, and came in to get his morning coffee. And I'm like, I still remember what he's wearing. And he's wearing like this yellow collared shirt with these khakis and just came walking in. I was like, oh my God, that's my dad. I, I know exactly who that is. Well, one of the women that we were with was also a good friend of mine. And she's like, are you still here? Hello, we're meeting, you know, like, hey. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, sorry. I was like, my, I was like, kind of weird. I was like, my dad just walked in. She's like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, my dad just walked in for, I guess, his coffee. And she's like, like your dad, like your dad, dad. And she and I have been friends. So she knew the story. And she's like, like the guy from when you were 12. I'm like, yeah, that's him. She goes, where is he? And I said, he's right there. She's like, what are you going to go say? I was like, nothing. I was like, there's nothing really to say. I was like, well, I'm 30 years old. In your mind, you'd already made it pretty clear, right? Years ago. It's like, it's done. Yeah, it's done. So she took it upon herself to just get up and go sit next to him. And I was like, didn't even say a word about it. She didn't even was like, hey, I'm going to go talk to him for you. Nothing like that. She just got up and went over to him. I was like, oh my God, what is she doing? Sat down next to him. They're about 50 feet away. I couldn't hear him, but I could read his lips. And I saw him say, where is he? And he started like looking around. Our eyes met. 
and he just like came over, shook my hand, and I was just like, "What is about to happen?" And he's like, "How how are you doing?" And I'm like, "Fine." How are you? And like, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't a total jerk either. I was kind of like right in the middle. And we talked for a few minutes. He's like, you know, we should really get together, you know, for coffee or something. And I'm like, if you want, I was like, here's my card. If you want to contact me. And the next day I got this email that was really long, basically pouring his heart out. We ended up meeting for breakfast that turned into a dinner with me, my wife and his wife. And then that turned into a lunch with me my wife, his wife, and then my two younger half brothers. And now it's been 17 years and we've got a great relationship. I have a great relationship with especially my youngest brother, great relationship with my dad. He's still married to the same woman, 40 plus years. We've just decided that the past was the past and that was it. But here's where dad edge really got started. Dad edge got started about five years later because at the time I was raising a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Oh, I'm sorry, six years later. And I was your typical guy that we help now. Like I was just struggling with patience. I was pouring a lot of my time into my career. I had a mediocre marriage. I really wanted to connect with Jessica on a, on a high level. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to connect with my kids. It's just like, I thought all these things like, okay, here's a laundry list of what not to do. And I know all these things because I experienced them. But what I realized quickly was that that's about as effective as you going to Lowe's, buying a brand new barbecue pit, and then opening up the instruction manual. And it says, here's a hundred ways not to put this together, but figure out the rest. And so dad edge really got started because I had this super dark moment with my four-year-old who's 14 now where he stepped out of line and I spanked him. And I always swore to myself because I was, I was raised with a very heavy hand, a lot of abusive guys. I'm never going to put my hands on my kids in anger. And I did. And unfortunately I did it. I hit him so hard that he hit the ground. And I didn't mean to do that. And it was awful. So I go to pick him up because I realized right away what I just did. And he looked at me in absolute terror. Like he shuddered actually when I went to help him up. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? And it was in that moment, I went into my office and I was felt like I was destroyed. It was probably one of the darkest, lowest points I've ever been. And I just remember going on social media on Facebook because I didn't want to think about what I just did. So I just wanted to distract myself. And I'm a big believer in God and, and faith and divine intervention. And I feel like sometimes God gives you a nudge, right? And I saw this button in the lower left-hand corner. It said, create a page. I had never created a page, but I clicked that button and the thing came up. What do you want to name your page? And I don't know what it was. Tears in my eyes and everything. I just, the good dad project just clicked it, right? And I never did that for a following. In fact, I was the good dad project. I was like, if I need to figure this out. I just, need, I need to learn just like anything else. And so I created that page only because I wanted like a record of what I was learning. And that was like, I'm going to go out and learn one new thing every day. I'm going to post it here and just keep a record of it for myself. Well, that turned into a following and <laughs> then being asked to speak, which blew my mind because I was like, what do you want me to speak about? I am, I'm an idiot. And then that turned into a blog in 2013 and 2015 started the podcast and I mean, here we are seven years later. And if you would have told me that this is what it was going to turn into, I would have laughed. I would have thought you were joking. But that is what it's turned into. You're like, who am I to do this, right? <laughs> it's like, all right. Still, I think that. But, you know, it's been such a great learning. It's been the best education that I could possibly imagine. And I have a fantastic marriage now, and I have for years. My wife and I are getting ready to celebrate 19 years. I have four great boys. Not every day is sunshine and rainbows. But um, it is good and it is a lot better than what the alternative was. I guarantee you, 
I was headed for divorce. I guarantee you I'd have two boys instead of four. I'd be seeing my boys 50% of the time. They probably wouldn't like me. I probably would have a wife or an ex-wife that didn't like me at all. I'd probably be on to my next second or third marriage at this point. Like it would have been disastrous. So it's, it's helped a ton. I can tell you that. Like you said, it sounds like you were a believer in God and I, I am as well in that we are led to those type of things. And it feels like good dad project. And now dad edge was God leading you along the way to do this for yourself and for so many other men out there. That's an incredible story. Thank you. Yeah. He's definitely a forgiving God. That is for sure. <laughs> and I appreciate you bringing that up and being a forgiving God. Cause I, I know that there's, that there are people listening right now that they think that where they're at with their children or with their family, that there's no way to turn back or to fix it wherever they're at, right? Wherever they're at. And God is there for us and he'll help us and help lead us and help us know what we need to do in our world. And perhaps your story will help give someone that, that little motivation knowing, okay, I could be my own project, right? Take the next step. Well, what a wonderful story. Well, what, what else is getting you excited right now in your business and life? So the most exciting thing I think that is coming is um, it's a book that I wrote called The Pursuit of Legendary Fatherhood. And I've been working on it for a year. And the launch date is supposed to be September 20th, although the publisher that I was going with filed bankruptcy. So unfortunately, that put it on hold. But <laughs> life always throws you curveballs. <laughs> it does. I'm actually, I had another publisher like literally swoop right in. They said, you know, basically like, hey, we want it. And I'm supposed to get an offer either today or tomorrow. I think the launch day is still going to be in September. This will be my fourth book. This is the one that, you know, I, I wrote a couple of children's books for dads to read to their kids. One is on like, you know, how a dad will always love and protect their kid no matter what the kid even does. Right. So it's, it's a great story to read to your kids when they're, especially when they're little. Another one I wrote is on screen time, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which, you know, basically I've had a lot of experts come on the podcast and talk about the effects of mental and emotional things that happen to kids when there's too much screen time and, and basically different and better ways you can spend your time, you know, but also balancing screens as well, but, but being very aware of what they do. And then I wrote the dad edge, which is, <laughs> I wrote that one in 2015. That was my first book. It was like 27,000 words and it was nine chapters long. And it basically just gives you like a bare elementary basics of the things that I was learning at the time. But Pursuit of Legendary Fatherhood, this is the big one. It's divided up into four parts. It's got current state, like what men face. Uh, it's everything to be the husband you want to be. So if you want like more intimacy, communication, connection, sex, all those things within your marriage, I teach all that stuff in the book, everything we've learned from experts over the past seven years. It's also divided up into being a father. So raising kids with patience, with grace, connecting with them, making memories with them, raising strong daughters, raising strong young men, rites of passage, how to build confidence, how to build self-esteem, all these things about raising kids. And then the fourth one is leader. Um, and there's 10 different tenets in there of leadership and how to basically lead yourself, but also teach your kids how to be the next generation of, of strong leaders that we're going to have. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Being able to help your kids do the same thing. I mean, that's the real measure of a man, right? We talk about there are so many different things that we can do, but we and our wives together can help have those strong kids go out and be successful. And when I say successful, you know, we're saying have families of their own, right? Children of their own. And also they can have the success in the world as well with business and all of that. We want all of it. 
And that's what's so fun. The only way to do that is by connecting with our kids. And and I, I love one of the things you say, as I've seen some of your stuff over time, one of the things that I love that you talk about is building an epic connection with your kids. I love the word. I mean, I love the word epic. I, I do. I love it. But building. So there's two things there. Epic connection, meaning just so huge, something that just can't be ignored right there. Amazing part of their lives. And then the building part that you have to build it. So elaborate a little bit on that for me. Why you have build an epic connection with your kids is one of your major, major things you teach. So epic has been a word that we use a lot in the brand, right? Because we don't want mediocre, right? We want awesome. Like, right. We want it to be epic. And a lot of us just don't. And quite frankly, we don't have the skills or the know-how to build that connection with our kids. We have no clue how to do it. And that's, that's not a dig on men, right? Because here's what I can tell you. The good news about men is we're seeing a generation of fathers right now that are raising their hands being like, I want this and I want it bad and I'm all in. I just don't know exactly what it looks like because, you know, my dad raised me this way and his dad raised him this way and that's fine. But what I can tell you is generations past, fathers did the best they could with what they had. And they were providers. That, w- that was their identity. You know, I mean, did they make memories? Sure, some did, right? And they did the best they could. But a lot of them just viewed themselves as like, well, I'm the provider and that's my job, right? Well, men of this generation are like, yeah, that's a part of my job. But a bigger part of my job is building this relationship, this connection, spending time with them. Like you see men today more hungry to hang out with their kids than I think ever before. Like they really want it. The problem, like I said, is like, what does that look like? Especially if I, if I've never done this and I don't have training around it and I don't even know the skill sets, like here's one skill set that we talk about all the time, create an environment of psychological safety with your kids. So they tell you anything and guys are like, that sounds amazing, but how does that work? I was like, well, there's actually all kinds of different things you can do. So like, for instance, if you want to build an epic connection with your kids, ask them three questions every day. Now, I'm happy to tell you what they are and give you the meaning behind all three. But it, what it does is it's, a, it's, it's such a simple but yet foundational thing. So the first question is, what was a high point moment for you today? Or what was something fantastic that happened to you today? Or what was something that you're grateful for today? Or what's something that your joy, you brought you joy today? What that question does is when your kids get home from school, you usually ask, how was school? Do you have homework? How was your day? Right. Terrible questions because you'll get one word answers. Good, fine, busy. I don't want to talk about it. That kind of thing. Right. But when you ask, like, tell me about a high point moment of your day, something that brought you a ton of joy. What you're doing is, is your kid now has to go think about, well, what happened in my day today? What was something that was really cool? You're actually putting them in a state of gratitude and they're sharing this gratitude with you. The best thing you can do when someone shares gratitude with you is to validate those feelings, right? So like, for instance, your kid might be like, dad, I got a B on that science test. Man, I studied so hard for it. I can't believe I got a B. It was so amazing. Like, I thought I was going to fail it, but I got a B. I was like, dude, that's amazing. Heck yeah. And you put in a lot of work, right? You put in a lot of work. You studied a ton. Yeah, good job, right? Validating those feelings. Now the kid's like, oh, this is a good conversation. The second question is, tell me something that you failed at today. Tell me something that was a challenge. Tell me something that was a low point. How did you get through it? So this is one way to create psychological safety. When you have to tell someone about a very authentic or vulnerable part of your day, right? Or a day or a point in your day where you're like, yeah, this sucked for me today. I failed at this part of my day. That takes courage, number one. Number two, it could also be a growth mindset moment and a way to create psychological safety. And it's all in how we respond. So let's just say your kid comes home and it's the opposite. Dad, I got a D on that science test. 
oh, okay, well, tell me more about that. Now, in my dad mind, right, I'm sitting here already thinking, I told you to study for that test. <laughs> what were you doing? Yeah, I saw you were on your phone last night, like, and then you were supposed to be studying. What did you not understand, right? There's that part of me that I want, but instead I'm like, oh, okay, tell me more about that. Notice I didn't use the word why. Why will put somebody on the defense, right? Just take that three-letter word out of your vocabulary and instead tell me more. They'll give you the same reasonings, but they're going to feel really good about it. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't know, Dad. There was a few questions on the test that I wasn't really prepared for. Like I thought I, I knew it, but I guess I didn't. Okay, well, let me ask you this. If you were to do the test over again and study for it and everything, is there anything you do different? And if so, what would it be? Yeah, I probably would have studied. I studied chapters one, two, and three, but not four, five, and six very well. I probably should have put in more time. It's like, okay, cool. Great lesson. Great thing to, to learn. So when's your next test? Well, it's actually next Friday. Okay, great. So based on the information that you shared with me and the, some of the things you learned, what would you do different? Well, I'd probably study a little more. I would definitely study like all the material, not just half of it. Man, I think that's great. Great job. So how can I support you with that? How can we make sure that that happens? What do you need me to do to help you? And they might be like, you know what? I'm good. Or just check in with me on Thursday night. Or can you help me study? Something like that. But that's a way where your kid, they didn't get blasted by you. I didn't have to lecture. All I had to do is ask questions. And by asking questions, he articulated the beautiful answers and the connection. Our connection and our relationship was actually elevated. It did not degenerate, right? Because of that. Now, if I would have blasted him and just came in like a bull and been like, dude, I told you to study, man. Like you were on your phone. Like, what the heck? Like, come on, like get with the program, get your head right. Or I'll give you a kick in the rear, right? Something like that. Now your kid's like, okay, great. Noted. I'm not telling you anything anymore. Thanks. Right. Because he already knows what he failed at. I mean, he knows exactly what he should have done. He knew he was on his phone. They can make those connections. <laughs> and the third question is, what are you most excited about tomorrow? And that is where you get your kid back into gratitude. But I call that question the Netflix to be continued question, because then you get a really good glimpse into their day tomorrow. So it's kind of like when right now I'm watching The Offer, which is a fantastic show. It's all about how The Godfather was made and how hard it was to actually make the movie and get it done and all that. It's fantastic. But they leave you hanging at the end of every episode. So you go watch the next episode. Well, that question is that episode. It is that hook point. Because if you ask like, hey, what are you most excited about tomorrow? Like, dad, I got my fitness test tomorrow. And you know, I've been, I've been running the mile for a while. I'm like really excited about it because I think I'm going to run this mile faster than I ever have before. Man, that's amazing. So what do you think I'm going to ask him about when I see him the very next day? Is that Netflix hook point to be continued? Hey, man, how did the run go, right? Now, if what you're doing with that question, not only is it a great conversation starter, but you're sending a really powerful message to your kid that I listen to you. I'm in your life. I know it's important to you. And I'm, I'm just as excited to hear about it as you're excited to tell me, right? Those three questions will create, believe it or not, an environment of psychological safety where suddenly your kid is just like, I don't know what it is about dad, but I feel really good talking to him. All my kids, I am bad at a lot. Communication is not one of them though. And my kids will all tell you, I love talking to my dad. Like my 16 year old, his favorite two words every night, no matter how tired I am is let's talk. He loves to still talk, which blows my mind because I'm like, you're a teenager and you're supposed to not want anything to do with me. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I've been doing those questions and been talking to him like that for years. So Epic Connection, that's just one way to do it. I talk about it in the book, but I just want to make sure your listeners had something. So if you wanted like those three questions, go use those. They're gold. Yeah, those questions are powerful. And I love, and they won't get stagnant either because we love 
talking to our dads. We love connecting. Everyone loves to connect. And I love how you were saying you can you can switch them up in, in different ways and, and use them. And the beauty of it is, is your kids have probably heard you talk about this kind of stuff. They probably know exactly what you're doing, but it doesn't matter because the connection is still made, right? They know exactly what those are. I mean, and the funny thing is, is when your kids get old enough, they start asking you those questions. It's not uncommon. Even my eight-year-old, what was the best part of your day? I'm like, you little ninja. That's so funny, right? <laughs> yeah. And basically, they're reciprocating and building the connection back because they feel the love and they want to know and they care, they actually do. care. One other thing too is best lessons in life are caught, not taught, right? And I have an app on my two older boys' phones called Bark. Bark is an app that it runs in the background of their phone and it detects keywords around suicidal ideations, depression, anxiety, drug use, medically concerning content, adult searches on the internet, all these things, right? And it'll send me an alert. Now it'll monitor like text messages and web searches and all this stuff. But what I pay a lot of attention to are the text messages between my boys and their friends or their the girls that they date. And it's fascinating to me because like I'll see these girls, you know, like, oh my gosh, I had such a horrible day today and like it was so stressful. And my kid, my boys will be like, tell me more. I'm like, you kind of like, look, you're like, holy crap, I can't believe my kids are communicating like this. Tell me more. And I and I'll point it out to them, and be like, hey, I got a bark alert. I saw this conversation. I was like, I just want to really acknowledge and appreciate something about you. Like you use the invite of tell me more, you know, to get more information. You didn't try to fix her problem. You weren't like her counselor. You just, through this text message, you use these words that you were listening, that you were engaged and you were just creating space for her. And that's so meaningful to a woman. Like don't solve her problems unless she wants you to, right? Listen to her and you do such a great job of that. And that it's a great learning moment for them. That's so powerful. Like you said, building that epic connection needs to happen once again with us, with our children, them with us. And then when they get older, same thing. What are they going to reciprocate? What are they going to emulate is what they learned growing up. And I love that. They're going to be doing the same thing with their own kids and with their own wives and all their people in their life, like you're saying. It's a powerful thing to learn to communicate and genuinely care about the people in your life. Agreed. Totally agreed. These are great things. So your kids, how old is your oldest, you said again? 16 and then 14, 8 and 6. All boys. It's like the fraternity party you never leave. <laughs> it's always, always happening. Always going on. I love it. Yeah, so I grew up in a house with, I was the third of four boys. Really? And then at the very end, we had my little sister. My parents had my little sister. So there's one girl at the end. And so four boys and then one girl to keep us all in line. So funny. She had many protectors. So any boy that came by the house as she was getting older, yeah, she uh, going <laughs> she, down. Yep, exactly. It's like, you don't mess with my sister. You know, what's so funny and kind of serendipitous is my son that came in and said hello to us before we started hitting record. He's my third born. Oh, is he? He's you in the mix. He's the third boy. He must be pretty amazing. He's, he's, he's got, he is like my heart and soul. Like, I mean, they all are, but he's at this, you know, it's like, I mean, when your kids are like eight, it's like this beautiful sweet spot of an age. At least that's the way I've experienced it with my boys. They're just old enough to where they interact and play and they they really know what's going on. And they're like their own like little bitty person, right? And then, and he's like insanely affectionate. My wife calls him like the daddy's boy. He always wants, always wants me. And he just loves to hang out and talk and play video games and play catch. And he's at that age. And, and to be honest, now that I have two older ones, I embrace the heck out of that because I'm like, 
these days are fleeting, right? And there are some days, man, where I'm just like, oh my God, like I can't even like keep my eyes open. Two nights ago, I didn't tell you this before we hit record, but I was in the ER with my 14 year old until 4 a.m. and basically only slept two hours the night before last. I was just absolutely smoked yesterday. So tired. I couldn't eat. I didn't even know what to do myself. And my eight-year-old and my six-year-old love to brush teeth together. And this sounds like super stupid, right? I mean, like, even as I say it, it's just dumb. Like, but this is why I'm still the student, not the guru. So like, I'm helping them get ready last night. I am like dragging, like I'm a zombie. It's like 10 o'clock at night, 4th of July. I'm like, I'm I'm asleep tonight with the fireworks and everything else. And they're like, they come in and they're like, I'm already in bed, which is kind of abnormal. I always put them in bed. My wife did it last night. And they're like, hey, dad, can we brush teeth with you? Buddy, I already brushed my teeth. I was like, dad's in bed. Like, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. And, and he just like, looked like I kicked him in the rear end as he walked out. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And then he like turned around, put his head down. I'm like, you know what? I could always brush my teeth again. Go grab your toothbrush. I was like, we'll do it. So he came back in and we brushed our teeth. And my wife goes, God bless you. You're such a sucker. <laughs> I was like, this could be the last time he ever asked me to brush teeth with him. I know this very well. Like this could be the night where I never get this invite again. So you just got to do it. There are all these little moments. It's it's funny. You wonder, like, it's funny you say that, like, this might be the last time because like my oldest, she's almost 14 and I have, I actually have six kids. I have three boys, three girls and you're so calm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's funny whenever I'm recording a podcast, I always have to go, I have to warn everybody, okay, everybody, recording a podcast. And I used to say, hey, try and be quiet, something to that effect. But now we just say, go outside. Like, <laughs> everyone has to go outside because there is no quiet, whatever's in the house. But I love it. That's life. That's what it's all about. And my oldest, that's what I was saying is, I just look sometimes and I think, how did she get so old? And I, And there are some of these little things, right? Reading stories you know, wants to be tucked in at night and read stories or do this thing or that thing. And I just keep thinking, when did she stop asking for that? I, di- I didn't even realize it. When did she stop asking? When did, you know, when did this happen? And, and luckily that's the benefit of having so many kids is I get lots of chances, right? I've messed it up plenty of time, not appreciated as much as I could. And now it's like, okay, let's appreciate it more and more. Yeah, you gotta, first of all, I would have never thought I had four, four myself, right? And when you tell people, here's the funny thing. I don't know if you ever do this, but feel free to steal this because it's just funny. So like you meet somebody new, they'd be like, oh, how how many kids you guys have? And when I say four, I say, wow, the same time they do. So like, wow, (laughs) I just say it at the same time. And then they're like, boys, girls. And then I go, all boys. And then I do it again. Wow. Because they both like, wow. You know, like like the wow. Like I've been dealing with with the wows for like, you know, all these years. I had one guy who used to work for me. This is a long time. He's very, very blunt dude from Michigan. And I told him like how many kids I had. And he's like, why? It wasn't a wow. It was a why, which was really funny. (laughs) But the funny thing is, is that I get it. When I had two boys, I was like, yeah, we're done. I ain't having any more kids. This is craziness, right? Now I wouldn't have it any other way. And I wouldn't have it any other way because the exact same reason you just said, because what I've noticed with my two older boys, even they kind of notice that I'm a bit more of a softy with the younger ones. And they're like, God bless dad. You were never, I was like, I know. I was like, sorry, you guys are the crash test. Exactly. Guinea pigs. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell my oldest, I was like, yeah, you get the worst of it. Cause I learned everything first with you. 
So by the time I get to your next brother and next brother, like it's a little easier on them because I've, I've messed up with you. So sorry for years. I'll put more money in your therapy fund. And we, we joke about it. You know, he's, he's got a good sense of humor about it. Oh, it's so fun though. That is the fun thing about having kids is kids being able to have siblings, I think is a very amazing thing. You know, I think about my life and just what a wonderful thing it is to have my brothers, my sister, and and just have that connection. And it's just one of those things that you can't replace. And it is funny though, I'm going to have to steal your your wow response because you're right. When I say six, they always say the exact same thing. Like I said, they've been saying it since about four. So yeah. you're right. I'd be like, wow. You're like, yes. Wow. <laughs> I want to normalize something here real quick about Please do. just fatherhood in general. There are going to be moments and seasons where things feel really great. And there's going to be moments and seasons that are just a complete and utter mess, right? And one thing I'll tell you is a lot of men, we are our own worst critic. And the loudest voice in our heart and our mind is the voice that we use when we talk to ourselves, when no one else is listening. And I was talking about this with a bunch of my guys who are on our leadership team in Dadage Alliance Mastermind. That's our mastermind for dads. And we started talking about like some of these guys because we have sessions for them just for our leadership team where we feed them and make sure that they're good. And we had this conversation about these inner dialogues we have with men about how we're just absolutely, we don't give ourselves any grace. We beat ourselves up relentlessly and the words and we use and how we talk to ourselves is terrible sometimes. And I piped up on this leadership call and I was like, guys, let me ask you something. And one guy in particular, I called out and I was like, what do you say to yourself? He's like, I'm always asking myself, am I worthy? Am I good enough? And just life in general, my job, my marriage, being a man, being a father. And I looked at this man. I said, dude, let me ask something. Christopher, his son is 16. I said, if Christopher came to you and said, dad, I don't know if I'm worthy or good enough. What would you say to him? He's like, oh, oh my God. He's like, son, no. Like, I give him so much grace. You know, why would you think that? Man, you're, you're amazing. You're this, you're that. Like, of course not. And I was like, that's what I was hoping you'd say. Why can't we ever speak to this that way to ourselves? And that was like a conundrum that none of us could really answer. We're like, we don't know. Like, we just, that's just the way men are. But here's what I'll tell you. There's going to be a lot of moments like last night with the teeth brushing thing. I didn't feel like doing it. I was tired. I was beside myself tired, only slept like two hours. I had every reason not to do it. Even my wife was like, yeah, like, don't do it. You're in bed. Whether you feel like doing whatever it is or not is irrelevant. I will tell you one of the normal things to do is a lot of times, whatever it is that you have to go do or need to go do with your kids may or may not feel like doing it. In fact, you might be like, God bless. If one more person asks me to do something today, I might shoot them at this point, right? But if the answer is like last night, I have zero regrets. Like today, God forbid, if I were to go to the hospital for a heart attack and the doc said, you're not going to make it for the next 24 hours. I would not regret for one second getting out of bed and brushing teeth with my kid for four minutes, right? I would be like, the last thing my kid heard me say was, yes, let's go do that. That's what I want to tell men is that there's going to be a lot of times where you don't feel like brushing teeth, right? Or you don't feel like doing this. Or you don't feel like doing that. Or for like, for the love of God, like I just can't, you know, I've had a crazy day. I don't want to go play catch or I don't want to play tea party with my daughter. But if you do it anyway, what I can tell you is that is going to make all the difference in the world. And a lot of times, whatever it is you're about ready to go do, once you're doing it for 20 seconds, you think it's great. A lot of times you're not going to feel like doing it. Just do it anyway and just enjoy the results of that. I love that. 
because what, what happens is it takes me back to when you met your dad again after when you were 30, right? After years, and you decided to forget the past, right? And move forward. And what became of that? And what came of that now, right? And what's still coming of that in your relationship, right? It makes me think the same thing in life. So if you're one of the dads listening right now, and you had a different experience yesterday where you didn't get out of bed or you didn't go throw the ball, forget about it. Give yourself some grace, like Larry says here, and start doing it today. Forget so, about it. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> forget it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Larry, I love this. This is great conversation. So as we come to a close here, I, one thing I love to ask at the end, and you've given so many great action steps already, but I love to ask all my guests, what's your top action step? What would you tell my listeners to do as we leave? If there's one thing they can do, what would you have them do? Is it okay if I kind of give a bit of a long answer to this? Please do. You know, we talked about fatherhood, right? But we didn't talk about marriage. And, and here's what I'll tell you. There, there's a whole section in my new book on marriage, right? 80% is we've been doing Dad Edge Alliance now, which is our mastermind community for six years now. And in order to be a part of that group, you have to apply for it. So we see the applications come through and we, one of the questions is, what has your attention right now? What, what is it that you want to create, right? And there's five sections to that. There's I want to optimize my physical, mental, emotional health. I want to create a better connection with my kids. I want to be more patient. I want to create a legendary marriage. Eight out of 10 men identify, I want to create a legendary marriage who want to come do life with us in the Alliance. So we know that is on the mind and hearts of most men is how do I connect with my wife, right? So Jessica and I have known each other for 25 years. We've been married for 19 as of next month. And we're in the best five years we've ever had is the last five years. And you would think like knowing her 20 plus years and sex and intimacy and conversation with somebody would get old over time. It doesn't, and it hasn't, it's only gotten better, but it's only gotten better because of the work that we've put in. And what I'll tell men, the next right thing is you are married first and a parent second. A lot of people get that backwards. I'm a parent first and married second. If that's great, if you want to have a disconnected marriage that might end up in divorce, I'm not saying being a parent isn't noble and it's not necessary. It absolutely is, but you're married first, you're a parent second. And when I say parent second, I mean your kids come like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a priority under your wife. And of course, if somebody needs something urgently, yeah, you know, you're not going to go out on a date night with your wife if your kid needs to go to the hospital, right? But what I will tell you is that the next right thing, whether it's been one week or if it's been five years since you've taken your wife out on a date night, one of the easiest things to do to elevate your marriage is get in a cadence. And I'm not talking about every once in a while, a cadence of minimum. Every two weeks, you are taking your wife out on a date. It can be dinner. It, I, I never really encourage things like concerts or movies or anything like that because you don't interact with each other. Do something that's an experience like axe throwing or indoor rock climbing or something like that or maybe yoga together or something like that or dinner or whatever or, or happy hour or whatever. But come to that date. Here's the thing. The next right thing is come to that date as if it's your first date. What I do is I, I've been doing coaching for a long time, so I've got a long list of what I call generative questions, which generative questions, I gave you three of them already, which was, we talked about that with kids, but you also can do that with your wife. For instance, what I'll do over dinner is I'll pick out five generative questions that are conversation starters for me and my wife. Like, so I'll give you an example of one we just did this past weekend. Tell me about a time when you were a kid and you experienced one of your most fondest memories why did you choose that experience and why was it so meaningful to you? 
So like what my wife has to do is she has to think about her time as a kid. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. When you ask somebody a question of like, hey, what does next week look like? They're just like, oh, yeah. But if you put them in a conversation like that to where they have to think about something and, and storytell, the most important thing is storytell and they're sharing it with you, that creates connection. That creates intimacy. And then how I respond to Jessica is also super important. I've got to be really engaged. Oh my gosh, like, yeah, I can understand like why that hike with your dad where you guys went on this hike and then you you went fishing together and and you had this conversation and I can understand why you chose that one. That's cool. That is super cool. What? Tell me another one. What's another one, right? Being genuinely interested because I think a lot of times when we're married, we get kind of lazy and complacent, right? Or we're, we're just tired. But go with the relationship like you always had. I love this quote from Tony Robbins that if you treat the relationship like you did in the beginning, it won't have an end. And I, I think there's some truth to that, right? My wife and I, I pursue the heck out of her. I date her. I'm purposely affectionate with my wife in front of my kids. I purposely compliment my wife in front of my kids because I want them to see it. I want them to hear it. And when you love somebody and appreciate someone publicly, especially like if it's your wife in front of your kids, that makes her feel on top of the world. And the cool thing about that is, guys, you got to know this too. Your wife's three basic needs are to feel seen, to feel heard and to feel safe. When she has those three basic needs fulfilled, she feels really good about the relationship, about her mentality, about you. It's a beautiful thing. And a lot of times men aren't the best listeners, so we don't hear them, right? I'm guilty of that as well. A lot of times the women are doing a lot of things that go unnoticed. Maybe it's the grocery shopping and they don't feel seen. If my wife goes grocery shopping, thank you so much for going to the grocery store. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you grabbing this for me and that for Ethan. And thanks for always doing this. It's just so, it's so helpful around here. And my wife will just perk up and be like, wow, thanks. That just made me feel on top of the world. And all I did was thank her for going grocery shopping. And safe is the other thing too. Safe is where if you ask your wife a question, she's venting, you don't have to fix her problem. In fact, you're actually going to make her feel safer if you just listen. If you're just like, tell me more about that, or you label her emotions. Yeah, that sounds overwhelming. Who wouldn't be overwhelmed? That's a lot. Tell me more about that. How can I best support you? Because that's what makes her feel safe. As soon as you dive in and start telling her how and and instructing her and advising her and coaching her on how to fix her problems, she doesn't feel so safe. She doesn't feel so seen and heard even anymore. She actually feels quite condescended. So those are just some simple tweaks that you can make in your marriage that are really, really going to elevate things. And by the way, the last thing I'll say is this. A lot of people feel really guilty of like, no, I'm a parent first. No, if you're a parent first and not married, then you're, you're missing the mark because what you're doing is, is you're basically sending a message to the kids. It's all about you. It's not about your mom. It's not about us. And they're going to watch a marriage either become stagnant, deteriorate, or not be really connected whatsoever. And what they're going to learn is, well, that's just what marriage is. Luckily, I had all these bad experiences with men in my life, but I have one really good one, one really, really game-changing good one, and that was my grandfather. My grandfather lived a mile away from us. I spent a ton of time at my grandparents' house because my mom was kind of like in the dating world and all this other stuff. And my grandfather, I think, really took a lot of onus of like, this young man needs to see good. My grandfather loved my grandmother so much. He was a blue-collar, tough dude, but he was not afraid to show her affection, tell her how much he loved her, tell her how beautiful she was, hug her, kiss her. This is my queen. This is, this is my lovely lady. He was unfreaking believable at that. 
And that was an amazing thing to watch growing up because I got to see that. And I do that around my own kids. My own kids, they get grossed out and I'm like, good, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> exactly. You won't forget it. Right. But that's what I'll say <laughs> about marriage in general. Wonderful actions and things we can do right now and things that aren't difficult, but they're just intentional, right? Yeah. Well, Larry, what is the best way for people to connect with you? If they want to hear more about you and, and everything, else, what's, the, what's the best way to connect with you? Not hard to find. You can find me on social everywhere at the Dad Edge. Instagram is at the Dad Edge. We have a page, the Dad Edge. If you want to find me on Facebook, I'm Larry Hagner on Facebook. Many people in the world with my name, which is a blessing. All of our resources are over at thedadedge.com. I've got one in particular, kind of like one I just talked about today. It's it's totally free, but it's called 25 Intimate Conversation Starters. And it's it's a, a quick video instructional. It's just me teaching you the psychology of why you need to ask what's called generative questions, intimate questions, and not brainless questions like, how was your day? What's for dinner? How'd you sleep? Don't, just stay away from those altogether. But if you go to the dadedge.com forward slash two, five questions, 25 questions, just put in your name and email, you'll get training and you'll get a PDF on 25 conversations that you can go have with your wife. Excellent. Thanks for sharing so many great resources and sharing your story with us today, Larry. Well, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Fantastic. Well, everybody out there, thank you for joining us today. And we'll put links in the show notes to everything you heard today. And there are some wonderful things that we can act on today. So now it's your chance to go and be the unrivaled man in your life. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Unrivaled Man Podcast. I'm Clint Hoops. And if this show has impacted you, please share it with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts.